the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find alone And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. That's crazy. That's crazy. Why would anyone in their right mind give up living water for cistern water? But listen to me. People do it all the time. People do it all the time. Christians do it all the time. We're here we have living water from Jesus Christ. And people will walk away from that and go after cisterns, the cisterns of the world. God abundantly blesses His children who wholeheartedly follow Him with their lives. He provides all their needs and promises to protect and look after them. However, as you will see today with Pastor Dan in Jeremiah's time, God's people chose to follow the ways of the nations around them rather than God's ways. And judgment was promised to come if they didn't turn from those ways. They still chose to go against God's will, and Jeremiah was there to tell them that now their judgment was inevitable. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. It says in Colossians, we should be thankful to God. And we should be thankful to God because He has saved us. He's redeemed us by His blood. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. He made us citizens of the kingdom of his son. He has an inheritance reserved for us in heaven. He's given us way more than we deserve. And so we should be thankful to him. Israel wasn't thankful for what God did for them. He goes on to say in verse 7, I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness, the promised land. But when you entered, you defiled my land. And made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? So the priests of the nation weren't seeking God. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law, the law of God, did not know me. Those who handled the word did not know the Lord. They didn't have a relationship with God. And yet they're the teachers of the word of God for the nation. You know, there were several occasions in the New Testament uh, when Jesus accused the priests in his day of not knowing the Father. And he calls them blind guides. And he says, you're blind guides leading the blind. And you're going to both end up in a ditch. They don't know the Father. And yet they're the teachers. They're the ones who are to teach the people about God. 
Verse 8 continues, not only did the priests and those who handle the law, but the rulers also transgressed against me. The, the rulers, here the Hebrew word is the shepherds, the shepherds, those that were appointed to lead the people of Israel, to shepherd them, to guide them, to protect them. He says they rebelled against God's authority. Uh, the New Living Translation says the rulers turned against me. You know, the politicians of the day were against God and were against his word. The prophets also, verse 8, the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. They were prophesying in the name of Baal instead of the name of the Lord God. They pursued worthless things that do not profit. So you have the priests, those who handled the word, the rulers, and the prophets of the nation. They're all corrupt. They're all corrupt. And so he gives the people an opportunity to bring an accusation against him of any wrongdoing, and the people cannot bring a single accusation against God. He hasn't done a single thing wrong Against them. God is always good. He's always faithful. He's always merciful and loving, and He's trustworthy and dependable, and He never fails. And all of His promises are yes and amen. And true and righteous are His judgments, the Bible says. So they had their opportunity to bring accusations against God. They've got nothing to say, so now it's God's turn. God makes His case against Israel in verse 9. Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord. And against your children's children, I will bring charges. Look what he says now. For pass beyond the coasts of Cyprus. He's talking about going west and sea. Send to Kedar, which is to the east in Arabia, and consider diligently and see if there has been such a thing Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. So what God says here is, hey, go west as far as you want to go. Go east as far as you want to go. You can look anywhere you want, and you're not going to find a nation that has done what the nation of Israel has done. And what has the nation of Israel done? They have changed their god. They've changed their God. That's the accusation that he lays out here against them. No other nation ever changed gods, but Israel changed gods, even though they couldn't point to a single time that God failed them, that God had a perfect record. He's been faithful to them. He freed them from their bondage and their slavery. He provided for them. He carried them through the wilderness. He gave them a land of their own. He blessed them. It was a fruitful land, a bountiful land. And in response, Israel forsook God. And not only did Israel abandon God, but we're told in verse 11 that they abandoned God for idols that are powerless. They can't do anything for them. Now, in your Bible, next to verse 11, you can write, that's crazy, right? You know, it would be one thing if God failed them. You know, if God had just, you know, failed them time after time after time, if they said, you know, we're going to go find another God. But God never fails. 
And they abandon this God who has been so good to them and so faithful to them. And they replace their God with these idols that are powerless and can't do anything. In verse 12, he says, be astonished, O heavens, at this and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. You know, the faithlessness of Israel should cause the heavens to be appalled. And horrified. Now in verse 13. God gives a a very um, powerful analogy here. That describes what Israel has done. He says for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. And they've hewn themselves cisterns. Broken cisterns. That can hold no water. Now, the meaning of this analogy is maybe lost a little bit on us uh, because we don't fully understand yet what is meant by living water or how they use cisterns in ancient Israel. Plus, we have an abundance of drinking water here, right? We don't ever really think about whether we're going to have water to drink or not. You can get water anywhere in our country. In Israel, it's not that way. In ancient Israel, it certainly wasn't that way. Israel today is 61% of the land is desert. Uh, Water today and in ancient times was very scarce, was very difficult to come by. Uh, Israel gets very little rain. They have a rainy season in the winter for just a few months, and then it's dry the rest of the year. And one of the things that they would do in Bible times is they would dig what were called cisterns. Cisterns were just big pits that were carved in the rock and then lined with plaster. And they were used to collect and store the rainwater so that they would have water to drink throughout the rest of the year. Uh, The problem with a cistern, there's a lot of problems with cisterns, but some of the bigger problems is, number one, uh, the water is dirty. Uh, The water is usually collected off of rooftops or off of the street. Think about the water that drains down your gutter on your street and into the the, uh, sewer. It's dirty water. Not only that, uh, it was stale. It was stagnant because it just sat in these cisterns all year. Plus, it was warm or even hot. It wasn't refreshing. There was nothing refreshing about it. But that's what they did for water. And not only that, it was also it was unreliable because you may have no rain in a season or not enough rain in a season to collect enough water to get you through the rest of the year. So you couldn't really depend upon cisterns for water and cisterns could spring a leak and all the water could just seep out. Living water is water that comes from a spring that comes from a river. It's water that, uh, in their minds, God has provided for you supernaturally. Living water is fresh water. Living water is clean water. Living water is usually cool. It's cold because it's from a spring. Living water is dependable. Springs don't usually dry up. A lot of times in the ancient world, they'd build a city at a water source. Jerusalem is built at Gihon Springs. There's still water coming out of the Gihon Springs, a lot of water. And so this is the contrast that God makes. He says, you've committed two evils. 
You have forsaken the Lord your God. You have forsaken, he says, the fountain of living waters. And they have hewn themselves themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. They've changed gods from the true and living God to a worthless idol. And God says it's like abandoning a spring of living water for a cistern that leaks and holds no water. You would abandon a cistern for living water. But what Israel has done, they've abandoned living water for cistern water. They abandon God who refreshes, who satisfies their deepest thirst, who uh, is completely reliable for something that is stale, something that is stagnant, something that doesn't satisfy, that can't refresh and isn't dependable. That's crazy. That's crazy. Why would anyone in their right mind give up living water for cistern water? But listen to me. People do it all the time. People do it all the time. Christians do it all the time. Where here we have living water from Jesus Christ. And people will walk away from that and go after cisterns. The cisterns of the world. Or hew out their own cistern. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's stuff. Maybe it's food. It can be all kinds of things that people are looking to now to satisfy the deepest longing of their heart, the deepest thirst of their soul instead of Jesus Christ. And it leaves them empty. And so then they just go to the next cistern and the next cistern and the next cistern when all the while they've got living water. They've got this spring of living water available to them that will satisfy them and satisfy the longing of their soul and is completely reliable and dependable. Never dry up, never go away, never fail. That's what people do. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. You know, Jesus talked about living water um, in a couple places in the Gospel of John. Uh, We've looked at one on Sunday morning already, John chapter 4, verse 14, when he's talking to the woman at the well in Samaria. Remember that? And he says, whoever drinks of this water, speaking of the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's living water he's describing, right? He offers living water to us, satisfying, refreshing, refreshment for the soul. He also in John chapter 7, which we're starting this Sunday, John chapter 7, verse 37 
He's at the Feast of Tabernacles in the city of Jerusalem. It's the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast. He's at the temple and Jesus stood up and he shouted to the crowd. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's a picture that they totally understood, right? And Jesus invites us to come to him and drink and receive this living water that he offers. And here he tells the children of Israel again in verse 13. They've committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Then he says in verse 14, is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he plundered? You know, the Lord set Israel free from their slavery in Egypt, but now they have exchanged that freedom that they've been given by God for bondage under idolatry. And again, just like people today, we have freedom in Christ. Christ has set us free from sin. But then you have some people that choose to put themselves back into the bondage of sin. Make themselves slaves of sin again. We've been set free. The young lions roared at him and growled. They made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Also the people of Naph and Tapanese, those are places in Egypt, have broken the crown of your head. Have you not brought this on yourself in that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way? They brought this on themselves. All of this destruction that has happened to their nation, they brought it on themselves when they forsook the Lord who delivered them. So Judah, if you think about it, the kingdom of Judah, they're uh, suffering economic trouble, political trouble, military trouble, and they brought it all on themselves by forsaking the Lord. It was a spiritual issue in the nation. It wasn't really an economic issue. It wasn't really a political issue. And it wasn't really a military issue. The problem was spiritual. It played out in the nation economically, militarily, and politically. But the problems were spiritual. You know, just a couple of psalms for you to consider. Um, Psalm 33, verse 12. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is Jehovah. It also says in the Psalms, kind of the other side of the coin for that one, um, in Psalm uh, 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget their God. All the nations that forget their God will be turned into hell. But blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the nation that forgets its God, be turned into hell. And here what the Lord says to Judah is, hey, you've got all these things happening in your nation and to your nation. And it is because you have forsaken me. You've turned away from me. You've abandoned me. You've brought this on yourself. And now, verse 18, why take the road to Egypt? To drink the waters of Sihor. Why take the road to Assyria to drink the waters of the river, the Euphrates River? And what was happening at this time is Judah would uh, look to Egypt for help against Assyria. 
And then at times they would look to Assyria for help against Egypt. And so they kind of went back and forth between Egypt and Assyria instead of looking to the Lord. And the Lord says, your own wickedness will correct you. Your backslidings will rebuke you. Know, therefore, and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. They've abandoned the Lord. They have no fear of the Lord. Now they're looking to the nations around them. They're looking for political alliances and military alliances to protect them. They're looking to Egypt. They're looking to Assyria. Notice at the end of verse 19, the Lord is described as the Lord God of hosts, the Lord God of armies. Here they're looking to the Egyptian army to save them or the Assyrian army to help them. And God says, I'm the Lord God of armies, (laughs) but you're not looking to me. For of old, I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds. And you said, I will not transgress. Verse 20, God delivered Israel from her slavery. And even so, Israel has refused to serve the Lord. When on every high hill and under every green tree, you lay down playing the harlot. This is where they would worship idols, their idolatrous practices. They would do in groves and in forests and on hills. Verse 21, yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of as an alien vine? And here now the Lord compares Israel to a vine and a vineyard. He's he's using things, illustrations that were very familiar to people in those days, whether that's, you know, a cistern and living water and vines and vineyards and shepherds and sheep. And these are all things that were just, you know, right out of their culture that they would understand the illustration. Here he calls them a vine and he says in this description in verse 21, I planted you as a noble vine. You were of the highest quality seed, but somehow you have produced this degenerative fruit for me. Now, uh, turn with me back to Isaiah. Isaiah is just the previous book right before Jeremiah. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, just right before Jeremiah, the Lord uses a similar illustration through the prophet Isaiah. Here in chapter 5, he says, um, verse 1, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones And planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst. And also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes. But it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah. Judge, please, between me and my vineyard. Look what he says. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? So here the Lord says, what else could I have done for Israel, for my people, to make them fruitful? And the answer is nothing. He did everything that he could do to make them fruitful. The issue was not on God's side. The issue is with Israel and with their hearts towards God. 
We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Jeremiah. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Dan, please visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Sometimes life can get busy. And between work, school, family, and all of our other obligations, it's hard to find time to dig deeper into the Bible for ourselves. At Ring of Truth, we've tried to make it a bit easier for you. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. You'll find a link to subscribe at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth on iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. When you call, please feel free to share any prayer requests that are on your heart. We'd be happy to pray with and for you. We also appreciate your prayers for this radio ministry. Please tune in next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. It's true.